Please welcome Cody Fleming. Thank you. Um, is there a clock? Or a, I know you're trying to keep everyone on schedule, so you have a busy day, right? Um, so I have no, I'm flying an open loop here. I have no idea how much time I have. Okay, so you'll watch it. Okay. Um, and with that said, uh, if you have questions, um, just burning questions, I guess I'd rather you ask, just raise your hand and ask. And if that causes us to not get through everything, um, that's totally cool with me. That's how I run my classes. So, um, and I'm going to give you a couple quizzes. So you graduated from here whenever, 10 years ago, and thought you'd never have a quiz again. You're going to get a few of them here. So um, I'm going to talk about driverless future and some of the work that we've been doing here, um, but more generally, just some of the um, issues and opportunities uh, with having driverless cars. Um, so the first thing is, this is your first quiz. Um, it's a very open-ended quiz, but does anyone have any idea what this is? A representation of. Highway 29 and Whoa. Hi, so Highway 29 and grounds. So this is Highway 29. Um, you, uh, so you're right. You get an A. A plus. Um, yeah, so this is the 250 bypass, 64. Uh, I heard someone say, so what are these a representation of? Crashes. Yeah, so these are, um, we, uh, we got this data both from the city of Charlottesville and the state um, for crashes between uh, the year 2011 and 2017. Um, so you can see there's quite a few, and actually the, the color code has to do with uh, what year it was. And uh, by the way, I had um, a capstone team of fourth years um, do some of this analysis um, for their um, final project, for their degree. Um, digging a little bit uh, further into the data, so they look at all the crashes and then they classify them a, a certain way. And a, a crash can get multiple classifications. So for example, uh, if it was alcohol related, doesn't mean it's, it can't be speed related. So it could be alcohol and speed at the same time. So these are not necessarily orthogonal categories. Um, and so these are the top five causes of accidents in general which is this uh, blue. So total accidents, and this is from last year. So we see that, um, uh, let's see. So distracted driving, um, speed-related, caused the most number of accidents. We see um, over 20,000 accidents are caused by um, overspeed and uh, distracted driving. And this is sort of a code word for being on your cell phone, approximately. There's other ways you can be distracted. Um, and it, but if you're distracted because of alcohol, it's classified differently. And then you can see that in, in um, orange, so I, blue and orange, go who's. Um, in orange, you see the number of fatalities. So you see that uh, alcohol doesn't necessarily cause a ton of accidents, but if it does cause an accident, it's likely to kill someone. And this doesn't mean necessarily the driver, this is anyone involved. And so you see of the top five causes uh, classified by um, the investigators of the accident, um, they all involve humans. Um, just digging a little further, so there were almost 130,000 crashes in the state of Virginia uh, last year. Uh, that amount, um, in terms of fatalities, there are about 2.3 lives lost per day 
Um, when I first saw that number, I didn't know if that was high or low. Obviously, if you love one of these people, that's too high. Um, but what's the context for 2.3 lives lost per day? Um, in the state of Virginia, uh, about in 2016, and the numbers don't change a lot, so on average, about 1.3 per, uh, people, persons, is murdered um, every day in Virginia. So just to give a little, another comparison to this. Um, my background is in aviation. So this number for commercial aviation is approximately zero. Um, and in fact, 2017 was the first year where uh, we went an entire year in uh, the entire country without a uh, commercial aviation death. So it's okay to fly. Uh, um, so the takeaway from this slide is the opportunities part of my title, which is we have all these accidents, all these injuries, all these deaths, um, primarily due to human driving, right? So if we can sort of automate the humans out of the system, um, computers don't get drunk, right? Um, computers don't check their cell phones um, while they're driving. Um, so we can just straight up eliminate some of these causes, um, both in terms of aggregate numbers of accidents, but also deaths and other injuries. Um, so that's interesting, but if you read the news lately, you understand that there's all this other stuff going on with uh, driverless cars. So we saw a couple months ago a pedestrian was killed in Arizona by an Uber car. Uh, everyone see that? Um, Tesla, anyone drive a Tesla? Uh, you didn't make enough money from your degree here at UVA. Um, so you're all too young, I guess. Um, if you do buy a Tesla, and I'm kind of serious about this, don't use the autopilot feature. Uh, it's just, and this is off the record, uh, but it's not a good feature. Um, so it, it's been involved in a, a bunch of different accidents and deaths. Um, this one is pretty recent. This is an interesting one. Uh, the first ever traffic ticket uh, in San Francisco. Um, this was actually a company that I, um, unfortunately, I uh, consulted for. Um, couldn't prevent this one, but um, so you can go off and read about this. So on one hand, we have these opportunities because um, humans do crazy things uh, when we drive. Um, but on the other hand, we obviously haven't figured this out. And so um, you'll read about, well, driverless cars are here, right? Or they're going to be here next month or next year or, or two years. And I just urge you to think critically about that, uh, what that actually means to be fully autonomous or be, or be uh, fully driverless. Um, is driving easy or difficult? And just because most people drive, um, right, unless you're in New York or Boston or one of these big cities uh, with the metro, most people spend a decent amount of time in their cars. And when you're driving, just think about all the stuff that you're doing. Um, anyone know where this is? Yeah, so this is the corner. Anyone driven through the corner on, say, when class is like five minutes after class gets out? It's a tricky proposition, right? Because there's all these students. The students don't care if cars are coming, right? So. Uh, and you are all here, so you are all guilty of this, of just walking across the street, not checking. Um, so, and this is just you, next time you drive in a challenging situation, sit there and think about 
all the little stuff that's going on somewhere deep in your uh, cerebral cortex that's um, causing you to be able to drive through um, a complex situation like that. And this is actually relatively easy. Um, try driving through Bangkok, Thailand during rush hour. And you can go off on YouTube and look at some interesting videos of traffic flows through some of these um, non-North American cities and just see how challenging. By the way, um, when we're quote-unquote fully autonomous with driving, they should be able to drive in urban India, um, Thailand, some of these uh, crazy situations. Um, not just in Mountain View, California, right? So uh, here's a little intro. This, is, this video is from Google, by the way. So this on the left is what the car actually, um, comparable to what you would see if you're driving. Um, the driverless cars actually use a bunch of other sensors that I'm happy to talk about offline. Um, but you can see, here's a LiDAR. It's called a LiDAR. It's a, it's a 3D point cloud that identifies where things are. And these little boxes classify things like cyclist, pedestrian, another car, a street sign. And then lastly, this green thing is the trajectory that it's planning. And if it's green, it means it's safe. Uh, it gets coded as this orange, reddish color if it's not so sure that it's uh, safe. Um, here we see there's a police car. It identifies it as something interesting to avoid. Um, and then it steers around it. Um, here's a stop sign on a bus. Um, and you see these little boxes are a bunch of classifications. This last one is interesting because this is a cyclist. And you can see this is a staged experiment, right? It waits for the driverless car to come and then it goes like this. Um, this, this last scenario was comparable to um, the accident that happened out in Tempe where the, the lady got killed. Um, she wasn't on her bike actually, but... Um, so that is, uh, I could teach probably two graduate level classes and not get through all that stuff, but that's sort of how these things work. And you can just see all the stuff that's going on that you can do sort of in, just in the back of your head um, thoughtlessly. And so when you hear people that are real technologists um, sort of poo-poo human performance, that's all fine and well, except we should uh, give ourselves a little bit of credit. Um, humans are really good at doing certain things that machines can't do yet. Um, and so, again, just this is more just for your own education, for people who are not in engineering or um, technology development. You might read a, a headline like this. This is from last fall. GM and Cruise announced first mass production driving car. So you think, driver, or driverless car. So driverless cars are here, right? That's what you'd get if you just read this headline. And then you see something like, um, this isn't an announcement that means self-driving cars will be available on the roads anytime soon. We have a lot of work to be done, or there's a lot of work to be done. And then um, it'll only be when the software is ready, which is kind of like saying, we understand how humans work, except we just have to figure out the brain, right? Well, that's the hardest part to figure out about a human, right? Um, no offense to... Um, people who study other parts of physiology, but this is um, almost negligence on the part of either the media or the companies who are doing this. So just be careful and um, don't get stuck uh, just reading the headlines, just reading 140 characters. Dig in a little bit deeper. And I'm not going to sit here and 
make a proclamation on when driverless cars will actually be here, when cars can actually drive through Bangkok, Thailand, um, without um, killing someone or having to stop. I have no idea. I have a three-year-old son. I'm guessing he probably won't have to drive when he's 16, so that's 13 years, but um, it's definitely not ready now. Um, Yeah, yeah, so that's a really good question. And we'll come back to that, uh, hopefully, if we have time. Um, so the question is, will it be deployed in test markets? That's kind of how it's going. Um, but then the question is, do you want to be one of those test markets? So Arizona really wanted to be up until this spring. And then they realized, maybe we don't want to be anymore. Um, so, and there's so many issues with it, which is really fun as an academic. I get to think about this stuff and do research and... Um, so there's ideas of even in the future that it'll, you'll be outlawed from driving. Or if you're going to drive, so you have a vintage 2018 Porsche, right, in the year 2040, um, and you have to take it to a track to drive it. Um, and so there's all kinds of policy issues with that, um, freedom, privacy, et cetera. Um, so switching gears a little bit, this next part is a little bit more about my own work. Um, and I think there's some sound on this. Um, so now imagine you have autonomous cars, and these little bubbly circles are, uh, the vehicles themselves are communicating with each other. And with that communication, you can do a ton of things. This video is uh, from Federal Highways, USDOT, I forget which one. Um, and uh, so the idea is that the cars communicate with one another, um, I'm still good here, so um, so the, the vehicles communicate with one another, and you can potentially do interesting things with traffic. Um, so it's, uh, oh, you switch to the other one. So this is what my slides look like on a PC instead of a Mac, all that black stuff in the background. Um, so we lost the, uh, okay. So um, there's some interesting things you can do with traffic. Uh, if, if the vehicles can talk with each other and maybe talk with people and talk with infrastructure. Um, however, this is a picture of a woman screaming at her phone, which I took to be uh, like when my Wi-Fi goes down. And it's just, or I'm trying to talk to, I guess people don't talk to each other anymore on phones, but you're trying to do Snapchat or something and it doesn't go through and you're yelling at your phone. So we all know that We've all experienced where wireless communication is not reliable. Um, and yet, we're trying to do stuff with traffic, uh, these high inertia things that can kill people um, that rely on wireless communication. And so just a quick uh, self-promotion is we have a big project from the National Science Foundation to sort of study the science of how we can predict what a wireless channel will do dynamically and adjust our control strategy for the individual cars according to that prediction. Um, another thing we're doing, which is, uh, I was sitting at an intersection, I normally don't drive, I ride my bike, but I was sitting at an intersection like 11.30 at night on West Main over by, um, what is it, Benny DeLuca's Pizza or whatever, and I'm at a red light and there's no one around going across this way, um, and I'm sitting at a red light, just consuming fuel and spewing carbon monoxide into the air. Why am I doing this? 
This is super frustrating. Uh, but the cool thing, again, about being an academic is I can then go off and just research this topic. Um, what if we use this communication um, to coordinate intelligently how traffic goes through an intersection? And so um, myself and one of my students created this simulator. Um, and by the way, this is on GitHub, so you can try this out yourself. Actually, this version is not pushed yet to GitHub. But, um, so you can play with traffic parameters. There's different um, policies. And policy in this context means uh, which cars we let go f first based on which criteria. So it could even come down to if you have a car with a bunch of people in it, we're going to incentivize that and let you through earlier. But of course, that information would have to be communicated. There's privacy issues. Um, but the idea here is that um, we can reduce uh, traffic delays with communication um, through a busy intersection by up to, well, with realistic assumptions with up to 100%. Um, so, so in other words, traffic can just get through as if there's no intersection there. You just go the, the full speed the whole way. Um, this, this gets a little congested with this example. Um, so that's just another um, fun project that we're doing that leverages autonomous vehicles, and in this case, communication. OK, so let's switch gears again. Uh, so issues and opportunities. Um, your next quiz, what is this? Social security number, yes. So you get an A. Uh, and you ask the questions, so you get an A+. Plus. Um, so why am I talking about a social security number, do you suppose? We're talking about driverless cars. Why do I have a social security number? Uh, you all should know what this is. Credit card. Does, can anyone guess where I'm going with this? What if I showed you... So what happened here recently, within the last year, two years? Hacked. So now do you see where I'm going? So there's an issue of privacy and your identity being stolen, money being stolen. Now imagine we have computers. If, by the way, if you believe that your um, sort of information infrastructure is secure, I got something to sell you. Uh, I don't know what it is. I'll come up with something. Because um, you're gullible, because it's just not. Now imagine if you put all that stuff in a car and it has to control the car. Um, what started as an ordinary and so this, uh, you can look this up online. This is um, where they're remotely taking control over a car. And so they turn on his windshield wipers, they drive him off the side of a parking lot. And he knows, thankfully, in this case. Um, how are we doing on time, by the way? Oh, Okay, so let's skip that. Uh, to base, and you can go off and look at this video. Um, but there's a major, major um, issue with cybersecurity in um, driverless cars. In, I just said air, you know, aviation is safe. Um, but as cybersecurity becomes more of a topic, will it become less safe? Um, you didn't come here to talk about um, the Department of Defense and warfare, but cybersecurity is a big issue there, and on and on and on. And we have a really good um, strength in that area in the engineering school and elsewhere at UVA um, and that I'm involved in. Um, and so uh, the last thing I'll do is another thought experiment. And so we have Lyft and Uber here. 
and let's just say it's 20 years from now, and nobody owns a car, that you all basically pay a monthly fee for a service. And it could be like Uber, it could be, this is sort of GM's future model is that um, um, transportation as a service, they run a fleet of cars and you pay a monthly subscription. And so one thing is how much would you pay, right? And there might be the, the gold, platinum, silver, all the different packages, right? Now, just as a consumer, um, what if you decided for the Uber service, and you can see all this traffic is red here, and so all the Uber cars, for whatever reason, are stuck here, and you've just spent $100 for this month on Uber, and you have all these Lyft cars with the green traffic, and they're really close to you. At, you're at Darden, you're a successful business student. Um, and so, one of the questions is just consumer behavior. How are people going to actually react to, if, if this happens, and many people believe this is the way it's going to go, um, is what will it actually be like from a consumer's perspective? Will you, have multi will you subscribe to multiple services? Right now you can, and I do this, I just switch back and forth between Lyft and Uber, um, and whichever one, well, I'm not going to get into my own. Um, let's just say, Whichever one's faster, I'll use. That's not actually what I do, but um, if I'm in a rush, I'll use Uber. I'll put it that way. Um, okay, so that's, that's one example. Um, now, here's another example, but not from the consumer side. Uh, let's say we have two trips like this, and you're an Uber driver, which is how it goes right now. Which one are you going to take if you're an Uber driver? Which one would you rather have, red or blue? Well, so it depends on a lot of other factors. Like, this could be a really hot area to end up, right? So if this is an airport, this is where you'd want to go. Cause you're, but uh, it's actually distance. You want the longer distance in a vacuum. So you'd, let's just say that you'd pick this one. Um, so this is from the driver's perspective. But what if this is a bunch of you all, or a bunch of students, who want to go to Belmont um, for a drink? And this is an elderly couple that, by the way, this is a hospital. They have to go to the hospital, and they're blind. Right? So this is kind of a stark example. You would think, oh, I would do this one then, because that's a better thing to do. Uh, but then you get into issues of privacy and fairness and equity, and it um, very quickly becomes not a technology problem. It becomes a problem much bigger than the technology itself. And furthermore, um, this is the... Uh, the fleet management interface for um, one of these rideshare services, if, if the system is automated, there's going to be a big oracle in the sky that runs this and has to make these decisions. And I'm not saying that I have an answer to this, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there as something interesting to think about, both from a consumer perspective, um, the operator perspective, regulatory issues, um, so we've gone all the way from the safety issues at the beginning um, to security, privacy, um, vehicle connectivity, um, to ethical issues. Um, another thing that we've done here, I've, I've actually participated in this, is we've gone out into the community and actually asked people, um, actually two specific groups. One was um, elderly people, and another is single parents. And you could imagine driverless cars being 
potentially a very positive impact on those two groups of people. Um, for example, if you're a single parent, you now don't have to drive 19 places at once, right? You can um, call a car, right? And then what's the financial model around that? Can you actually afford that? If you're elderly and it's not safe for you to drive now, you might be able to actually get around um, to places where you normally wouldn't be able to. And so we did focus group uh, research with um, here in Charlottesville, and that isn't published. The provost's office is actually going to put that out, conclusions from that, that study. Um, and so this is sort of related to your question earlier, which is how is this going to work? Um, so Google has tested over, this is closer to 4 million miles now with their cars. Um, what is a sufficient statistic to show that these things work? Um, by the way, this is a, this is, I, I don't have an answer to this. This is a, and it's not exactly rhetorical either. Um, this is a real question that no one really has the answer for. And in what conditions? So. Is driving in the, the sort of the calm streets of Mountain View, California, the same as New York City or um, London or Bangkok or third world, you know? So what conditions count towards this statistic for it to be sufficient? Um, and then this is interesting. So what if they want to design it? So car companies right now put out a new car every year. Do they have to retest this thing three million miles um, or whatever million miles? Um, how much can you actually change the software? And by the way, uh, Tesla Autopilot, they upload new software over the air, which is a little bit scary if you've ever gotten an update on your phone and it doesn't work the way you want it to. Um, and then the most important thing might be, and this is what we asked those focus groups, is how would you feel about getting in one of these driverless cars? Uh, by the way, has anyone ever been in one? So how was it? The first, say, 10 seconds. Yeah, so you were in a good car then. <laughs> I was in a car, uh, my first experience was um, the car couldn't recognize palm trees, and so it turned left, which is into oncoming traffic. Um, and this is proto early prototype for one of the companies, so the safety driver had to, I was sitting in the back seat. Um, so you were fine. And, and what about, and who else? How was it for you? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. And by the way, this, the answer to this question that we found is totally dependent on, it's very demographically dependent. Age, age is a big uh, sort of predictor. Um, and then the question is, you know, how do you feel being in it? How would you feel about putting your kids in one? And that's how a lot of these sort of ethical questions come. What is safe enough? I would say if, if, if I believe that it, I would put my kids in one of these, then it would be safe enough, right? So um, a lot of interesting questions about this. Um, the last thing, so this is a one-tenth scale car that we've developed in the lab. Um, this is a little test track. Uh, we use this for educational and research purposes. Um, but this is two cars that are actually communicating with each other and coordinating their movement um, around a test track over in Olson Hall. Um, and so this has been pretty fun. Um, some of the issues, individual vehicle, uh, it's with the software, right? Um, with connected vehicles, we have to worry about reliable communication and shared control as well as privacy. And then with transportation as a service, um, 
there's just so many issues, ethical, moral, policy, um, stuff that goes way beyond technology. So it's a fun area to be in, to be thinking about. Um, it's fun to think about the future. Um, and if you're lucky, you get to ride in one of these now. Um, so with that, uh, I'm like, I'll stick around and answer questions. And um, happy alumni weekend. Is that? It's called alumni weekend officially. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so that was, the beginning was sort of uh, that, that Google video, which is just like sort of how the car perceives the world. And so you can imagine an individual car perceiving the world and then planning what it should do and executing that. Then the other paradigm is, and I went over it pretty quickly, is if the car vehicles actually communicate with one another. And there are just different camps who believe one will be better or worse than the other. Um, I don't really have, there are issues with, there are advantages and disadvantages to allowing them to communicate. And I also don't believe that if I was a car company, I'd really want to be communicating necessarily with another. I don't know. I don't know what the competitive advantage is there. But those are the two paradigms. By the way, I just learned about that write-up yesterday. It's like, oh, okay. Well, good thing I'm kind of talking about it. So it wasn't explicit in that because... I wrote that, I must have written that like six months ago or something, I forgot. Um, so good question. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the question is sort of comparing and contrasting uh, vehicle, ground vehicles with the aviation sector. And there are some similarities and there are some major, major differences. Um, so one difference is an uh, uh, airplane can't pull over to the side of the road. So they have to have really strong fail safe. But the advantage they have is that it's non-cluttered. There's tons of space, right? So it's actually really easy to plan in some sense what the trajectory should be. Um, another thing is, um, Boeing doesn't come out with a new um, aircraft every year. There's not a model year 2020 whatever Boeing, right? So the, the pace of development is a lot slower in aviation. So they can really sort of make sure everything's perfect. And part of that is due to regulation. The regulation is a lot higher in aviation. So there's a lot of differences that make, in some ways, aviation easier. And by the way, everyone will look at aviation and say, well, they're doing it safely, so why can't we? Uh, in medicine, they do this. And it's like, and even though I'm guilty of just doing that, uh, there are so many differences that it's really hard to make a sort of apples to apples comparison. Um, so some similarities, a lot of differences. Uh, but that's a really good question. There is one in the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the the that's a really really good point. So humans are really clever, right? So actually one of the first things that happened 
uh, with Google's uh, cars, and their program was, they were just driving these cars around their campus. Uh, and um, the people who worked at Google who were driving their own cars would just go through the stop signs because they knew the driverless cars would stop. So you'd end up with this queue forming, because you can see it, right? It's got all these sensors on top. So there's this queue backing up this way, and all the people are just like running the stop sign. And they're like waving, like, ha-ha, right? And so people are really clever about this kind of thing. And so, um, and yeah, we, we tend to sort of migrate towards higher risk until something happens, right? This happens in finance. Um, so you do riskier and riskier things because you, you don't get your hand slapped. And so I imagine something like that will happen uh, with these, and not just the, the scenario you came up with was really good, but there's probably a million others that we haven't even thought of. And, and if, if, it's, if it's transportation as a service instead of car ownership, I'm sure people will come up with clever ways to take advantage of that system. And the, the operators will have to adapt their, their algorithms and their policies. And um, It's definitely not like we're just going to do this stuff, put it out there, and it's going to be stable, and the world's just going to stay the same forever. It's like constantly changing and adapting. And I suspect people will do exactly what you said, and then we'll notice like a bunch of people getting killed. And then people will maybe, I don't know. Really good. That's a really good one. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Oh, thank you.